And I'll do a quick like that to get the sound right. We'll wind the sound up and we are good to go. Hello, everybody. This is Jason Gardner, Inverted Thoughts Podcast, also conversations with Jason in the new studio. And now uh, the last video actually was the audio, just audio with my friend Zach Evans. And now I get to do it with a video camera and audio and in person and all these things coming together. So, you know, just uh, good things come to those who wait and to those who do a little bit at a time. I remember doing this type of thing a couple of years ago at the Boston Public Library and putting things together and having a lot of hard time just combining all the things and making it happen. And here we are now. Things are a lot easier. So with that said, I want to introduce my my lovely guest. Um, you know what's weird? I... I, I know you as Anthony, I know you as Tony, and I don't really know your last name that much. I, I just like I don't really. It's funny. I wish I. I'm trying to go aim for that Madonna thing. You, just, you just got Anthony. it, Anthony. Yeah, it's yeah, Anthony. Just, everyone it's knows just who that one Anthony, Anthony is. So, so your name Anthony Hong. Hong, of course. Huang, if you Huang, want to get Huang, real, of course, of course, correct. Yeah. It's it's in my book. It says Anthony, and I didn't have your last name. And all this time, I knew that. I yeah. just didn't remember it. Yeah, so, action Anthony. That's so it. action Anthony. So this is Anthony. Is is not only a buddy of mine and a peer, a performer, friend, but also someone that I kind of look up to. Actually, I do look up to because he's a stunt man. He does actual stunts. He works in movies. We actually saw each other last year as extras on a set. Right around this time. Around actually. this time yeah. of the year, one of the coldest days of the year. Um, absolutely, we could talk about that too. Oh yeah. But um, anywho, so Tony's going to talk. We're going to talk and kind of relax for a while and just get into some stuff. So hello, Tony. How you doing? Hello, man? Jason. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This is cool, huh? Yeah. Thanks for getting the video up, especially for the guy who does motion pictures, you know? <laughs> I think it was timely. It was meant to, meant to happen. So we got, we got some video. We've got some audio. We're recording. I've got my computer. I've got a little screen there um, with, you know, with, with something on it saying, hey. This is who I am. <laughs> so, so tell me, what's uh, God? I really just, I have a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Um, I, I do want to get this out of the way because I have a lot of curiosity about about how you got to being to be a stuntman. And I've seen your Instagram videos. I've seen what you do. It's the real deal. I mean, he takes, he gets, he gets hit. He gets thrown into things. He gets shot. All those things that you see in movies, <laughs> you are trained. You've done those things. You're trained to do those. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know how to fall. You know how to do those things. So could we step a little bit back and, and kind of give me a little bit of the history of, because how old are you, by the way? Oh, I'm ageless. ageless. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I haven't told my age to anyone in like 10 years. I even keep it away from the government. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so we don't have to mention it. Yeah. Well, because I, I play between like 18 and sometimes it stretch like 38 so i, I keep, right yeah it depends if how close the camera is if you can see my gray hairs or not sure you're you're fortunate and it's pa partially because of the asian genes oh, yeah um but also you <laughs> it's know not levi's cut you, you got a youthful look but, but you're right you could probably play older yeah. you could skew older so just give me a little bit of the background first of all and i'm always curious about this what was the thought what was the first thought you had when was that thought and what was that thought like I'm going to be a stuntman. Like, what? How did that happen? Oh, all right. I, I don't know. It happened a few times in my life, but I think the last one where I was like, "All right, this is this is the calling." Is uh, I was working as a clown with Ringling Brothers Bar and Billy Circus, and we were in, I think, Culver City or something like that. While I was shooting like a circus fitness program, and it happened to house some of the stuff from uh, Stuntmen's Association. So I was like, "Whoa, how do you how do you do this?" And this was toward like around the time my contract's going to end. So I was like. What do I do from here? And then uh, I, I talked to a clown who left the show uh, that was living in Anaheim. And he was like, you can either become a birthday party clown or you can become a stuntman. I was like, what? What do you mean? And uh, he, he put it in perspective. He's like, dude, you you fall down on concrete with no pads for a living. You you fall down the stairs. You do all these pratfalls. You work high, like on the high wire. You do trapeze. You ride motorcycles. You are built to be a stunt guy. And I was like, "What? Oh, that makes sense." So when I left, so you had already done, you you already been doing a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I was just, just I mean, naturally as a you were someone that did, you were you did a lot of circus, which means you were doing a lot of. Uh, yeah, I credit Ringling stunts. with a lot of the skills I learned because, like, uh, just being around like world class performers, you got acrobats, uh, you got people who rig, people who do motor sports. Mm -hmm. uh, it means everything's on one roof, so it's like a great training ground for a stunt guy, but. I mean, before that, I was uh, I came from a martial arts background. Yeah. Okay. So, 
So let's 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 get. So at what age did you start doing martial arts? Uh, let's see. I think it was around. I was like five years old. I was getting picked on at school. My mom was like, "No, no, I'm putting you in martial arts." And my my kid's not taking that. So <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, good for mom. Built, built the confidence for that. And then uh, I did local tournaments. I competed in weapons and fighting. I usually place like number one or two mm-hmm. uh, when I competed. So that gave me all the confidence and skills. And yeah, I, I credit. Well, actually, a lot of martial the martial arts training helped me a lot through just life in general because that's how got it got my foot through Ringling, in the door with Ringling Brothers, and uh, I mean a lot of the acrobatics and falling because I, I trained at an old school like they 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 were like tough like they they beat you like not you know like this is make, the martial arts training yeah you? the martial arts training they they make you tough you know like they were like making you break falls on concrete no mats you know? right, right now 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 you don't really see that anymore yeah yeah. Um. So, so, okay, so you went from martial arts, mm-hmm. and then when did you do the Ringling Brothers training? Uh, let's see. That was 2009. Yeah, I auditioned, and then okay. I got in, and I toured with them for from 2010 to 11-ish. And, and what did you do with them? What were you doing? I was a clown. Right, you're, okay, okay, so <laughs> America, you're a clown. Right, America's okay. premier karate clown. Right, okay, cool. All right, so there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, and then you had the choice when your contract had ended. And someone gave you this kind of funny thought about you either be a clown or a stuntman. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I can't do, I can't do birthday parties. <laughs> no way. I, li- I like kids. But. And, but at no point in your mind did you question that that there's more than two things to do. Did, at that moment, did, were you just kind of like so in it that that just was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it just kind of made <laughs> sense. I was like, I don't know, because be, before I actually joined the circus, I was doing the acting thing ring. Act, ugh, I can't even talk. The acting thing yeah, around yeah. here. Well, that's why you're a stuntman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to do a lot of talking. <laughs> and then when they give you, they give us lines. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. just, just shoot me out, shoot me Speaking. out <laughs> now, no. knock me out. I'll fall. <laughs> actually, that's a common thing a lot across like most stunt people. They're uncomfortable doing lines and delivering dialogue, but they can fall down, you know, seven different yeah. ways into Sunday. Uh, well, that's their confidence. Yeah. That's their training, you know. <laughs> but uh, what, what were we talking about? Again? So just just the Too idea. Heads, yeah, no, you were. Um, <laughs> so you, you so is, this, is that it was that that pivotal moment that that's what I'm kind of honing in on. Oh, right. where you kind of had a choice. Oh, right, right. Right. The choice was like I can either kind of do what's been done the easy route in a sense <laughs> and continue to do a clown thing, or I can kind of combine some of my past interests. Yeah, it was actually stunts wasn't the, the target. It was kind of like the overall goal I was trying to get at. I, I, I actually wasn't sure what I wanted to do when I left Ringling. I was like, oh, maybe I continue this and join Cirque du Soleil. But then their level of training was just like, to be a clown, you have to be trained in dancing, acting, acrobatics. It's, just, it's mm-hmm. not just one skill. Um, so I was floating around for a little bit. But uh, I think I gravitated toward the stunt stuff because I was already doing film, like I was saying, in, uh, in, in the Boston area. I was working as an extra by that point, maybe for four or five years, and I, I was familiar with film, so mm-hmm. I think uh, just working in film in any capacity kind of made sense. Okay, so okay, so now, so you had the bug, you knew you wanted to be involved in film, and then the thought about doing stunts. So where do you go when you you have background? Yeah, but you're not a stuntman. No. no one's going to hire you as a stuntman until you actually have some training, I assume, with <laughs> right. some reliability. So then where do you go at that point? How do you even know where to go um, to then become a stuntman? Um, well, with the martial arts training, and it helped because I was already working uh, you know, with low budgets. Um, so I would usually come on as an actor, then I try to squeeze in like a stunt. Okay, but how do you come on as an actor? How do you, where do you go? You know, there's a lot of I, uh, there's a lot of just uh, talking to other people who are doing it. Like you talk to other extras, and they're like, oh yeah, this this indie's filming. Uh, you might okay. want to. So it's just networking and talking. So to this people. is so. So you're saying is that being an extra in these movies or whatever, right? You were starting to communicate and talk with people, that and then network. Yeah, I mean, if you work from the bottom uh, on on the camp in front of camera side, you work as an extra. You can go on and become, uh, you know, more. You can go on the actor route, stunt stunt route. Uh, if you work behind the scenes as like a production assistant, then you can start going to other departments like you want to work in camera or you want to be a grip or an electrician. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all sorts yeah. of other stuff. So yeah, I think just working on the, the ground level and talking to other people who are doing it, um, it kind of gives you like a sense of definitely. what's going on. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think, I think it's important. As, I mean, I'm huge. I talk to my clients about this environment, environment, environment. It's so mm-hmm. much about environment, where you place yourself, where you are. Yeah. And you want to you be involved in movies. You don't know where. You don't know how. Just get involved in movies. Just be around that 
and then decide, see what kind of makes you excited. Yeah. Right? So so that was something that you were noticing too when you were on movies? Like you noticing stuntmen? Were you noticing that? You know, it's crazy now that I'm looking back on it in hindsight. I When I was working as an extra, I would be on the show's – on the stunt days, I'd be hanging out with stunt people. I, I, didn't, I never even thought about it. I was just like, yeah, that's cool. You guys can fall down. I, I want to be an actor. So, <laughs> so I, was a, I was aiming for that. And I, so I never really – I hung out with them, but I never tried to get a job or like tried to train with them. Uh, but now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, uh, you know, hanging out with the stunt people, they gave me some like really sound advice. And Because I was like – you know, I would tell them like, hey, I got this little fight scene coming up in a, like an independent film. Like what do you recommend? They're like, oh, get some pads or you know, you'll, you know, this is how you do a fall and keep it safe. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, well, the thing that you think about every time you're, you're doing some stunts. <clears throat> What's the piece of information that, that you always remember? Uh, actually, something that's been ringing in my head lately is uh, from a coordinator that just passed. Uh, his name is Jerry Hewitt. He ran Law & Order SVU. But I met him in 2011 on an Adam Sandler film. And uh, I, what, one of the wor- things that he's famous for for telling his stunt people is uh, before I take, he's like, have fun, but keep it safe. So I think that's something I carry now because it's like, you know, you're creating – controlled chaos but you still at the end of the day you got to have fun and mm-hmm. sure uh, it's entertainment it's entertainment right that's, that's what the the, the intent is <laughs> is to entertain people oh yeah I mean, so I it's, you're right you're right yeah have fun keep it safe and i it's it's kind of surreal you know I'm, I'm doing i'm getting paid to do things i already love to do you know like riding that, motorcycles fighting people beating my friends up <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's so great okay so so then so then where, where do you get trained Oh, like where do you actually before someone will hire you? Where do you? What so, do you? So that's have tough. To show there's, them? There's, a, there's a couple different routes. Yeah. Um, so some people just kind of roll around with other stunt people in the area, and they kind of go train with them, do fights and falls, and learn how to do horses. Uh, What's a horse? <laughs> you know, riding horses. I mean, it's oh, kinda, okay. It's kind of going out of style. I thought it was a stunt term. <laughs> no, no. Are you doing horses today? Yeah, we got, we had, we're doing three times. We're doing three horses. I mean, one of, the, one of the terms that comes up a lot of people are like, well, that's cool. Uh, it's doing a ratchet. So, you know, ra- you know the new uh, term ratchet means, what is it? Like, kind of like janky. Uh, like, like, oh, that looks so ratchet. It's just not like, you know. God, I don't even know that. Yeah, like you know, you know the new terms like lit, lit ratchet stuff. Okay. Ratchet, ratchet is uh, basically it's a pneumatic device. You get hooked up to it, and then uh, it can yank you up to like thirty. It depends on how much uh, pressure they charge on it, but it can hang, yank you across a room basically. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. So doing a ratchet is pretty it's ratchet, pretty but, but yeah, it's tough. But uh, yeah, so where did you, where did you get trained? Oh, uh, so I. I went to a stunt school, but yes. be, but before that, I had to save up money because there's a there's a time between circus and then stunt school. When I finally figured out I wanted to do stunt school, I had to uh, figure out how I was going to save up for that, and that's where you came in. That's how we that's, met. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah so man. I ended up doing some street performing to, to yeah. pay for stunt school. So let's put a pin on the street performing. I know you want to talk about oh, that, yeah. and it's exciting because there's a lot of love there because oh, we've, yeah. we've worked together with on that, uh, on that, and that. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud <laughs> to be a mentor. Um, but I'm also I have to get all this curiosity oh, yeah, first sure. out about this stuff because these are fun questions to ask someone who's a stunt man. We don't get a chance to do yeah. that very often. Um, Okay, so so you went to school for just you know you went yeah. to school. So there's, so there's a, a there's a school. There's there's a couple of schools, but the one of the the best ones in the United States is in Seattle. It's the International Stuntmen's Association. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they run a it's about a month course, and you you kind of, they take you through like a pretty much like everything you can kind of expect to do as a stuntman on set. So you do a lot of uh, fighting, falling, of course. Um, that's the bread and butter. Yep. Then they sprinkle stuff like driving. You do high falls. Um, you, you fall off a scissor lift and off buildings into an airbag. They light you on fire. You do wire work. So it's like a little bit of everything. And then I think one of the most valuable things that they teach in their stunt course is um, it's the business side. Because you, you can be one of the most talented people in the world. But if you don't have business sense and how to navigate the set or – Handle yourself. You're you're not going to get hired again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they t- teach you like how to actually go out and get gigs too. Or that yeah yeah they talk about and how to approach stunt coordinators. So mm-hmm. I, I, okay. I I think going yeah. through that uh, gave me a lot of confidence and skills. So when I came out, um, I was just like I got to take on the world. And I, that, I mean I felt like that for a while just um, just because seeing other people who take took the other stunt route where you know they're like an, a former X Games champ or a, Olympic. Uh, athlete, right, right. They get brought on. To, uh, they get brought onto a show where it's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm a champion boxer, so they need they need boxers for a movie, so they'll hire them for stunts. Right, and it makes sense, and that's how other people get into the stunt sure. world. Yeah, th- that's 
that's just like just like the speaking world. I mean, you can be you can go up the speaking ranks mm-hmm. and do the speaking club, you know, speaking engagements and Toastmasters and all that. Or you could just be a, yeah. you could just be a, a superstar in your own right. And people <laughs> just want to hear you talk. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's actually interesting that I was on a conversation this morning with um uh, with a up for a gig, and they basically said they get a lot of um requests from life coaches like like i am a life coach but they said the reason they chose they wanted me to speak was because i'm an escape artist <laughs> and a magician and a life coach and that to them was something unique and very curious yeah you don't come across too many you of those. don't you <laughs> don't awesome. so i mean that's just the way to bypass because i used to be worried about like how do i get corporate gigs mm. and someone actually told me something really really insightful they said to be in corporate to be speaking or doing anything for corporate you either have to be corporate super corporate or anti-corporate yeah right. either way is attractive to corporate because if you're so not corporate then corporate's like oh that's cool he's coming from a very different perspective uh, from as a performer you know what i mean uh what's his name uh monty python uh J- john cleese is one of the highest paid speaking um his he's paid a shitload of money no kidding because He's John Cleese. He talks about the creative process. He talks about <laughs> overcoming your fears or goals. I mean, it's you. You want to hear him talk about that, and it's it's true. Um, when it, when it just just kind of that's one route yeah. when you actually have some clout, and it's, you're just you're just interesting. They want you there, but the other route is just to be really good at what you do. So it's the, it's the extremes. What are the well? Other, well, know? I mean, you got to be good at what you do. But I think, excuse me. Bless you. I wow. didn't want. I didn't want to say it before Thank that you. ruins it. That's what my girlfriend says, at least. <laughs> Appreciate. It. Thanks. Thanks, your girlfriend, for that. Um, and, and I've been criticized about sneezing into my hands. I just. I just can't. This idea of sneezing here into my armpit is gross. <laughs> right, because then you have to snot. Like it's here, there. and I just kind of just clean it up, and then maybe get some, you know, hand sanitizer. Yeah. The OG just, way. And then just, just clean it up and I'm all done. You know? I, mean, I don't know. Just, uh, handshakes in a bottle. Uh, yeah, I never know what to do. So I hold my sneezes in and it feels like an explosion in my head every time. Well, how's this sneezing into – when you're wearing a mask, what do you do then? Oh, do you sneeze yeah. into the mask, which is disgusting? You take the mask off and like be like the pariah <laughs> of every – everyone looks at you like you've just given us the COVID because you're sneezing and coughing in public. It's so embarrassing and so – and I'm so not the one who feels judged by people at all. Yeah. Um, but it's been a new set of circumstances that I've, I've, had to, that I've had to deal with that are new sets of judgments. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Is this, is this the – like getting on an elevator. Yeah. I, I live in an elevator building. People? Do you ask permission now? Right. To, to get on the elevator, so so someone gets on before you. Do you ask? Do, do you? I'm asking you a question, Tony. Do you ask them? Would you like me to get on or not? Or do you just get on? I've just been getting in and kind of right. So out. I yeah, usually yeah. ask. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. I do. Even even before Rona. No, no, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Just I mean, because I like, the, these are the, these are new these are new social things that are coming up. New yeah. ways of new questions I have about about how to act in social. Like you know what I mean? Do you, for me. Walking down the street, I want to be close to people. I mean, I don't want to walk away from them. I want to be close to people enough to be able to say hi to them, or be able to comment or you know, engage in some way, even if it's just for a split second. Mm-hmm. But now the norm is to kind of arc around a little bit, give them more space, which is weird. Yeah, this is all weird. I, this I mean, is very I, weird. I, I don't know how to handle anything anymore. Yeah, I mean, where, where do you where are you, are you living? Where do you live? Uh, I recently just moved back to Massachusetts. Are you like in a suburb or like, I mean, are yeah. there people, cause I live downtown. So it's people in the streets all the time. So there's a lot of, a lot of experience of navigating people. Oh, just getting around people. If you live in the suburbs, there's less you're, people. Yeah. You're kind of already avoiding people. The first not, place. Yeah, I'm right. The there's no one yeah. there anyway. Yeah. And, and for the most part, if you're walking down the street in the suburbs, it's weird if you walk right next to some, I mean, you know, it'd be yeah. weird if you walk right next to somebody <laughs> for no reason. Well, like, I know what you mean though. I, I, has, I still have my crash apartment down in New Haven. And I was just down there last week, and it, you know, it's, it's more—it's like a mini Boston. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I, I, that was my first time kind of being like in a city in a while. And yep. I was like, "What do you do?" Yeah, I—I'll I'll go across the street, I guess, yep. if you're walking toward me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just trying to figure that all out. <laughs> but um, and what, the benefit of having these long form interviews is that we can actually go off on a tangent, and I, mean, I love that. <laughs> I love to be able to just like jump into anything that you know at any point you know that just reminds me of how much I like this type of interview where just like you know it's chill it just can go anywhere and we can just talk about anything but I do want to stay on track as much as possible so so um 
good. So you got training, but more so in the training, you, you did, you built your confidence around knowing how to go out and get gigs and how to be a performer. You know, not, not, not the, yeah, not, not just the technical side, but the, the, the business side. Right. To actually have do both. this. <laughs> so cool. I mean, um, so how's it going right now? I mean, with the, with the, uh, just, just to flash forward now with the pandemic and oh man, like yeah, what's the industry like right now? For you? Yeah. Something I wanted to tack on since we we're talking about COVID. It's, you know, honestly, it's kind of surreal that we're making movies at a time when, well, actually the last movie we worked on, uh, they actually had to, they canceled that early because of COVID. That was right on the tip. Right. Yeah. Right in the beginning they, of COVID. They, they were going right into it. Yeah. It so like, they, they had to kind of. I don't know how they, I mean, the movie's out. I just don't it's know. It's out. I just don't know how they finished it or if they had to I don't know, edit smartly. Yeah, that was probably uh, just a, such, a, such a mess for them. Yeah. Not only did they, they not only did this movie have to, and it was Disney, have <laughs> right. to deal with some of the coldest days of the year uh, in Boston, which is hell for, for, for everyone in the business there, but also the COVID creeping in on them and yeah. not having the amount of time they probably needed. They were in North Square for a few days. I know that. Oh, okay. Right, right, on the, right around the corner for me. They they set up the whole North Square as like a cafe, outdoor cafe. Oh, that's cool. Look nice. In, in winter? <laughs> yeah. Outdoor... <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were doing. Oh, yeah, that's I'm rough. Not sure. But it looked like, by the way, that, that because I thought about this, I'm probably not in, in I, pro I probably got cut because I was doing a straitjacket escape. You were walking around with a unicycle, yeah. getting ready to work. So you were much more like a, you were definitely more of a, a nondescript background, right? You were you were very eye catching. My uh, my, and and if you saw the clip which I sent you, you are lit. I mean, I would have literally been right over the shoulders of the main actors yeah. doing a straitjacket escape. And if I was a producer, I would have nixed it too. I think you, I think they should have kept you. Well, right. we'll see. It's, we'll see how it plays yeah, out. Yeah, and, and how the focusing is done. Right, if they have it like out of focus enough, where I'm just kind of a thing in the back or mm -hmm. not. You know what I mean? Or they'll or do maybe a quick insert of you. Well, that would the other thing is they would actually, but it didn't look like I was there because you came back and filmed without me the same right. scenes, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, they held you off for a little bit just because I I don't know why, but I well, mean, they were, they were concerned about you being cold. Everybody was concerned about being cold. Jason couldn't take. You can take your stuff off. You and, and you, in between between cuts, they would have PAs come in with jackets and yeah, they were helping people out. I mean, I was in because I was doing a straight jacket. It was kind of you know it was cold, but there was a lot of people that were cold. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not going to talk bad about about the film industry. <laughs> There's plenty of that going on, but I mean, the the hospitality was a little bit a little wonky. Yeah. Whereas the, you know, they were really pampering the the high paid actors. Oh, yeah. And some of the extras who were out for almost twelve hours in a day. <sighs> Yeah, were frozen. A woman did pass out. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that. she started puking too. Oh my god, oh. From just from the cold. Anywho, that's that's, <laughs> that's not. Exciting. We didn't say that. That's <laughs> we're not telling you where that, what that is. <laughs> Anywho, so 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 you are surprised that it's still it's still continuing. Yeah. So when so the world, my, yeah. So what are you doing? What's well, what's on the plate? Oh man. Well, well, just let me rewind a little bit. Just when the world shut down, I I didn't expect to work at all last year. I was just like, uh, I'm probably not going to be back on a set until 2021 in like spring. So I took the I took some time off to focus on other stuff. But um, all of a sudden, uh, my my phone rang in September, and then I've I've been working from early September up until like now, like steadily. Um, I think with COVID, it it just takes up so much more time. Um, with the testing and um, just uh, COVID in general, just because you, you 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 they have to air out rooms and stuff in between, right? right yeah. yeah. Um, they because of that they keep it like a very tight knit um amount of people. So I've been I've been on shows where they just kind of use me over and over. I'll be like guy number four dying in the background over there. And then all of a sudden they'll bring me back another day. I'm like guy number two now. I'm driving. Right. Like, it just makes sense because I'm already in the COVID roster and sure. I've been tested. I'm in the system. Wow. So, See, that's a yeah. benefit. So I, I think that's why I've been working so steadily. Wow. Yeah. See? I've been lucky. There's these weird little benefits that come out of COVID in, in, in a lot of the industries. Weird little things. I mean, just even watching like the news and watching the the, the, the weather you know, when I go to the, I go to a cafe and they have the TV on. I'm not a TV guy, but they have Fox News on, whatever. And but there's this woman, and she's doing the weather forecast. It's about what three to three minutes of time she has, mm -hmm. maybe twice a day or whatever. And it's like crazy little work. She does it from her house now. She's got a <laughs> green screen all set up behind her. She's got the production, the lights, the the the, the lapel, everything all set because they come in and they set up. It's cheaper. For them to set her up at home than to run the production studio at, at, 
yeah, to run a studio, makes sense, yeah. to staff all those people. It's just so much easier. So it's like a new way, and it's it's a benefit. I mean, here's a woman who potentially doesn't have to. She might have kids. She doesn't have to drive. She might have a second career, you know, writing a book or right as whether she doesn't have to drive to work. She could just wake up. You don't have to put on her shoes. She can walk over to, to, to the <laughs> office, do her weather forecast, and then just go back on and just within minutes do something else. I mean, yeah, it's that's, pretty neat. And there's no deduction in pay. They're not like reducing her pay reduction, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I mean, she's still doing her job. Seth MacFarlane was saying how he's loving it right now. Is he is he still making films right now? He's, everything's still in full production. Oh, all of wow. his all of his cartoons, everything's in full production. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And animation of, doesn't have to. I mean, yeah, a lot of their people can work remotely. Yeah, just animation. I mean, first of all, like for example, Bob's Burgers. I think I think it's Bob's Burgers or or it's Archer. One of the two, which is H. John Benjamin's shows. He's a great voice actor, and they don't even record their parts in the same studio. Oh, that's cool. He just goes to his local studio, and now probably at home. Mm-hmm. So again, what it costs them to rent out a recording studio, it's cheaper for them to send him the equipment and buy it and just send it to John H. Mont in his house. Yeah. And just have it set up like this. Well, I've seen uh, just in the, the acting side of stuff, like they're doing more video auditions now. And it's like, I think they should have been doing that in the first place because like they're, yeah. they're, rec- they're, they're having people come in the studio, you're recording it and mm-hmm. sending it to the director anyways. Yeah. Now just, you're saving. Oh no. <laughs> now That's you're saving one step, so. Yeah, it's cool yeah. to see, you know, all these industries all across the board kind of That's how Borat auditioned, you know, it was all video auditions for, for his daughter. Oh, really? The first the first stage is all video. I mean, once they get to the, to the next section where they're narrowing it down to a few people, then they have you show up. Yeah, right. That makes more sense. But they had like 600 applicants. Yeah, that's nuts. But you probably couldn't even view 600 applicants in in a day or two if you're at a studio no no way you can only do that virtually i mean you could do that you can have a video just you spend a week just watching all 600 videos there's a few minutes yeah, each yeah take your time with and, it and most of them you know in the first 10 seconds exactly you know, just like yeah. i remember when i was in the music business and you know i worked for a, a recording label and an indie label that would get tons of cds sent to them tons of demos and i remember seeing the process and learning a lot about the process and literally that first 10 seconds of your demo is everything um and i think it's true for anything now yeah for sure 10 seconds is what they're going to give you you got about 10 seconds to impress <laughs> the, and then the, the tape, goes, and the tape goes in the garbage that's yeah. it tape goes in the garbage because they don't have time you can't expect someone to get to the third song mm-hmm. or get to the emotional part of your of your soliloquy <laughs> where you start to really <laughs> kick it you know what i mean no you got to hit it from the first 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 minute like you ever watch Will Ferrell's audition? Will Ferrell's audition no. for Saturday Night Live? No. Oh my God. <laughs> He's Saturday Night Live audition is can be done through video, if I'm sure it could be, because all they're doing is showing up and doing stuff, mm-hmm. what they prepared. They're, Saturday Night Live is not asking for anything. They're asking you to like show us what you got. Show us how good you are. Right? Steve Martin has a quote, so good you can't ignore you. He's so good you can't ignore it. People say, "How do you get to show business?" He says, "Be so good you can't ignore. It. They can't ignore you." Yeah, I've heard something similar. Be so good uh, you're undeniable. Yeah, be so good they can't ignore you is Steve Martin's thing. It's actually a book. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was written about about that um, idea. Point is, Will Farrell's audition was him acting as a cat <laughs> playing with a, a ball of yarn. <laughs> and like cat eyes and. <laughs> And like, because I could do it, the reason I could do it almost 1% funny is because I've seen him do it. So even a little bit of I learned just from watching it is funny. <laughs> he does it. It's so amazing. And that's his audition. I mean, that's it. That's, that's his audition. It's oh, like genius. him playing on the ground as a kitty cat. <laughs> so it's like. It's definitely different. But in the first 10 seconds, you know, this guy is amazing. Yeah. There's something about this guy that's just incredible. Like we don't need to see anymore. We, we get it. We get it. We 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 know how good you are. <laughs> First impressions so, are everything. Yeah, and you got those ten seconds. So, so so actually speaking of that, here's a little kind of question to bring it back in. So how do you audition, or how do you become a? How do you do you have to audition for a role for a stuntman, or do no. you just kind of look at your stats and they go, we need you? Because what if you what if you get on there and 
what if you suck? What if have you ever right. seen someone? Oh yeah, oh, yeah suck. So what happens in that situation? Well, st- stunts is very close knit, uh, and it's also very dangerous if they yeah. see see someone who's not good. Yeah, not, they got to get you out. Ninety percent right? of uh, the work I get through is like it's it's just a referral. It's yeah, because I mean it's kind of weird because on the acting side they'll tell you like oh if you've done like an archery class through Groupon say you can do archery it's like no 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 on the stunt side they're like we want you to shoot this arrow shave this guy's head and then hit the apple for real so it's like you can't be like oh I, I took one archery class and then I'm good oh no, it's like you gotta be a master if you put that on right, your sure. resume I get, yeah, you gotta uh, do it in your sleep so, so, so the first step is you don't put anything on your resume that you really aren't fucking great at right even demo reel like you can do it once like uh, I've seen people fall off like one story buildings and they they get up and there's like no mats. It's like, yeah, you can do that one time, but that's not something you can repeat. I right. wouldn't put that in the demo reel. Right, right. So tell me about tell me about a situation where you've seen either yourself been schooled or someone else has been schooled or fired. Uh, I mean, I'll just keep it general just because I, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people would know <laughs> who I'm talking about when I bring up stories. But, but it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. a lot, it's a lot of the case where it's like somebody says they can do something more. They make it out to be like more than they could actually handle and then they get on set and like they can't actually fight and they're like – coming pretty close to hitting the actor or, if, or they're putting – and again, it's like – like you were saying, it's not just putting yourself in danger. It's kind of – you're putting everyone around you in danger because it's like what happens if there's a fight scene but there's also a car that needs to do like a sliding 90 past you. You got to hit your marks here. If you step in the lane, now that, that guy's going to feel like an asshole for hitting you with his car. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So what actually happens in that moment? Like so what, what actually happens? When, oh, man. So here's a guy – who cannot fight? He's now endangering an actor. Who steps in? Like, what happens? It goes a few ways. They're either fired on the spot, <laughs> so just come over and like tap on the shoulder, and go right. You're wrapped. On, you're wrapped. Don't come back. No uh, more. Or, no more like, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, uh, there's a joke that one coordinator out in Chicago says: if you hit an actor, uh, he says, uh, "Window or or uh, was window or aisle seat?" Because <laughs> you're going back on a plane. <laughs> right, back yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's it's that where they, they if you have enough people you get somebody else to fill in the spot and hopefully make it work or you modify it or sometimes I've even seen the coordinator step into the hot seat and take care of it mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. play the part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen actors do their own stunts? Uh, I mean, we know obviously about Mr. Cruz, but other other you seen other actors that have taken on some yeah, of they, stuff. Yeah, they they try to do as much as they can, but it's like uh, it really depends if if they put the time in, they they spent time training or something. If it's like a fight heavy show like Iron Fist or something, mm-hmm. and you want to put your actor through all all like a legit training regimen like kung fu and sure. train like the stunt team, you know, right. like a Jason Statham movie. He's definitely got some moves. Yeah. Or, or Keanu Reeves and John Wick. He, he trained like a stunt guy. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of actors try to do their own stunts, but it depends. Like if, if, if it's too dangerous, the insurance company will probably be like, no, no, you're not mm-hmm. doing a car hit. Get, get the double for that. So what are your thoughts on, on like someone like who's such a blockbuster, like, like Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. doing his own stunts. What, do you, what are your thoughts about that? I think, I mean, there's a reason why he's a producer in those movies, so he can. We, he's not going to tell himself no. No one can tell him he's the highest dude on the set. Right. So uh, I think it's great. Uh, I think sometimes when it and when the risk to reward ratio isn't really there, I don't think you should like push it too far because like if Tom Cruise gets hurt, then you shut down the whole production, and then you got to wait a few more months. That's that's hundreds of people out of jobs. Then yeah, yeah. It's 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 all dependent. So with that, I'm curious also. You know his rant. His on the set rant. Oh, the COVID rant. Well, yeah. Well, so you know, in case you don't know this, look it up. But obviously, he was very upset about people were not observing COVID policies on his set, and he was filmed without him knowing about just him freaking ranting and really getting really upset. Yeah. At his staff, um, and people had very a lot of reviews on that. I'm gonna. I'm curious on what your take on that was. Uh, I kind of sit in the middle when it comes to that. I I think he has a point. You know, like. Where you know, like I said, it's surreal to be working during COVID. So uh, they have COVID officers and stuff watching over us. Um, so when he, I think it was like two crew people, they were just standing too close together and talking. And mm-hmm. uh, he, I think it was in the middle of taking. He started losing it. Um, I, I understand from his point of view, he's got a lot of responsibility. He's a producer, so he's going to be answering phone calls. He's reporting to Netflix or whatever production company he's working for. Um, so he's got all these meetings about just even the COVID stuff. You know, there's a lot of protocols you got to go through. I think. He was in the right ranting and yelling at these guys. Um, I don't think 
he had to go that long though. <laughs> I think I think people got the idea. Yeah. It's like you'll be fired if you I catch you do yeah. this again. Just leave it at that. And he did mention. I mean, he did mention. You know that it's th- that he's in charge of all these jobs. Like, right. He mentioned his responsibility to that. I think. Right. I think it's a lot of pressure on him but, because he's yeah. on and off screen. You know, so it's, a, lot, a lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure. And I think here's the other pressure that I heard something which I thought was really interesting is that he's got a lot of pressure because right now he's obviously one of the biggest producers in the business. Yeah. So a lot of pressure, the music business, I'm sorry, the music, the, the, <laughs> the, the movie, film business is relying on him to set a new standard during COVID mm-hmm. to do this right, to save the business. Yeah. Because it's, it's. We're, so, we're, we're trying to figure out how to. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah, so make he's, this go back to normal. He's so. found a way to do it. He done, mm-hmm. probably did a lot of meetings and research on how to effectively roll out a COVID-friendly movie set. And probably no one sees that work. No, so when honestly, I see someone disobey, he's probably like, fuck, I ha- I spent so much time yeah. getting this ready so all of you could work. Well, then he's got to pay for everybody's COVID test too. I, I mean, the, it's a it's, it's enormous it budget. It adds up. An enormous budget and just uh, an enormous strain to an already strained business. Mm-hmm. I mean, we witnessed, you know, the, you know, just on that movie we did, Disney just having to constantly pivot in real time. Yes. With the yeah. environment and with actors, with situations, with extras, constantly figuring out. Remember that one, the next day, one extra didn't show up because people right. didn't show up because of the cold. People were just like, fuck it. I'm not coming. Well, some people are already going. leaving on that day we were there. We, so we, they we were turning around. Like, so they were, were gone. The, the, the amount of inconsistencies <laughs> in that movie would have been really frustrating. For, now, who's the person that's in charge, in charge of that in the movie set? Uh, be the uh, AD. The AD? It was yeah, just the director, director right? Yeah, yeah. They're in charge of the consistency of, of the shots? Yeah, uh, I mean, we have a script supervisor, too, but right, usually they're, they're, more, they're more about the script and right. continuity of just the main sure. thing going on. Because that must have been, I know we lost the, the, it was the woman pushing the stroller, I think we lost her the, the uh, second day. A couple or, of shoppers. Or something, some of the shoppers. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see that movie and see what, <laughs> what actually happened, if, if they're able to piece it yeah, all together. You see people it. jump. Like, there's yeah, that, there's like, that girl right here that also the next take, she's over here. They should have had you play all the parts. Oh, right. <laughs> weird. How come it's how come everyone's Asian? <laughs> right. Weird. They all look alike. Wait, all, it was all just all me. Surprise. Uh, cool stuff, man. That's good stuff. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's 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 move a slide over then to uh, some some street theater talk. Oh, you know? Street theater. Um, yeah. So obviously, people. People who know me know that I spent a lot of time before COVID on the street, not as a homeless person, but <laughs> but as the opposite, as, a, as having a very lucrative and fantastic career as a, an escape artist doing my show um, at Faneuil Hall Marketplace in Boston and all over the world. And and so one of the benefits of, of being a performer, and this is how it works with 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 a lot of the business. It really works this way with a lot of, a lot of business and in, in creative business. I think all business. We, first of all, people love, naturally, we love to talk about what we do. We love to teach and share what we do. We love to pass on knowledge and information. It's human nature. We just enjoy that. But there's kind of a a little bit of a standard or or kind of a protocol to doing that. And it's when you see someone who's actually working at it. You know what I mean? So like a story for me, Um, one of our friends, Bob, Mm. um, Bob Ilgen. Uh, Robert Ilgen, great, great magician, great performer. Um, this is like years, this is 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. In Boston and even more, I think. And I was doing music on the street, playing music, and and Lucky Bob was doing magic. And I had done magic when I was a kid. And this is my, this is now we were in my 20s. But I did magic when I was a kid and I loved it. And I kind of had this passion, but didn't really pursue it. I was pursuing music instead. And I started hanging on Bob. I started following him around, watching all of his magic. This guy just just was amazing with cards. I mean, just amazing magician. Amazing, amazing. So I started watching him, following him around, kind of riding his coattails, asking him questions. And he some he probably said to me something like, you know, well, go get a book. I said, well, how do you do it? How do you do it? Go, go get a book and like learn. He was kind of brushing me off. Yeah. I said, go get, a, go get a book and learn. So I got this book. Uh, it was a series called Card College. Fantastic. Roberto Giobi. Fantastic. Four volume thick books that literally go from how to hold the cards, what the names of the different parts of the fingers are, where you're on the deck. Like, oh, literally, wow, how to, 
which starts you from the basics, yeah. like holding the deck and all the names of the different positions to hold the deck in, you know, gambler's, gambler's grip and all different things that you, so all this stuff. And I just started studying and learning it and practicing and practicing and practicing. And then I went to Bob and I said, Bob, I'd love to get together and jam, talk about magic. Again, he was expecting, all right, I'm going to go hang out with this guy. Even though we were the same age, I might as well have been a kid to him. You know? <laughs> we'll hang out with this kid and I'm going to, He's going to ask me a bunch of questions. I'm going to show him some magic, and he's just going to do nothing with it. That's what he expected. Yeah. So we got together. Actually, remember where we got together? It was Mexican restaurant in Alston, Brighton. Oh, my God. I can't believe I remember this. Um, <laughs> El Pilon might be the name of the place. Holy wow. Um, we sat down. We had, and, I, and he said, show me what you got. Oh. Are you ready? And I took out the cards, and I said, here's a. Here's a, this grip, and here's this pass, and here's this and this, and here's this shuffle. And, and he said, he goes, yeah. And, you know, you might want to put the finger over here and hold that this way and try this out. And here's a trick that you could do with that technique. Here's some magic you could do. And so he later on told me that he was quite impressed. He didn't expect me to, 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 to do my homework. To, <laughs> to like, actually follow To show through. up yeah. and to be someone who was actually, actually doing the work. So I guess the, the protocol is that we don't want someone who just wants to know the secrets. Right. You got to work for it. You know what I mean? Show you're trying. Right. And I had a, years ago, a street performer came up to me and said, well, I'm just doing this, you know, until I get my real job. And I honestly was just like, please go away from me. Like, like I love you. I love everybody, <laughs> but don't clog up this, this place with kind of like your half dream. Right. Like if you have a dream to do something else, trust me, go do anything else but street performing. It's a hard gig. Like if 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 you don't if you're not 100 percent in, and as you know, and you, you kind of move through it, it was a, it was a thing for you. But oh, I mean, yeah. you're, but if you're not 100 percent committed, it's it's a hard gig to keep doing. Yep. Yeah. But I think everyone should everybody should get out on the street. It's like it's like waiting tables. Everybody should be a server at some point in their life, and everyone should be a street performer at some time sometime in their life because you really learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about yourself. So, back to you was. So, and I don't have a lot of memory. You can refresh my memory a little more on this, but it was a situation where you were inspired by the performers that you were seeing. Oh yeah, I was and then started you guys. started like asking questions and started talking to us, and then and then started doing something with it. Yeah, well, you've got a point that this uh, you know kind of proving yourself and showing that you're trying rather than just asking for all the secrets in one go. Mm-hmm. It, it really does apply to all industries. Uh, I see it in stunts too. It's just I kind of get the same thing. People are like, oh yeah, how do you get into stunts? I give them the the, th- the you know the quick lowdown, like, hey, go train martial arts and gymnastics. That's what you need. And then like, no, but I, I want to work tomorrow. I'm like, right, right. They want the quick, simple solution. And there is right. no quick, simple solution to any of it. No, but what was it? Uh, have you ever heard? Have you ever seen that thing that Chris Rock talks? Uh, no, it's Chris Rock. Chris Rock talks about uh, how his car broke down on the side of the highway, and no one was stopping to help him. And it wasn't until he started getting out and pushing his car, like. But he looked back and a bunch of people started helping him. It's like well, that's a great metaphor. Yeah, that can, is great. People want to help you if you're helping yourself. It's so great. And so let me just say this now because it's a little quick little mini training. I kind of throw it in there. So here's a here's a way to so if you need to ask for help, the way to do it is three parts. So it's here's here's my problem. Here's what I've done so far, and here's my question. Right. See, that shows someone that you've done something. So you know what I mean? Like, I'm looking to get more gigs as a, as a, as a stuntman. Here's what I've done so far. I've emailed a bunch of people, but I'm really not seeming to connect with someone. I'm re- emailing these agencies, but I don't really know what I'm doing wrong. Do you have any thoughts for me on that? And you could be like, yeah, how are you? What are your emails like? Or what you can, you can help them with what they've already given you. Right. Or say, trying. no, no, that's terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> what are but, you doing? But to miss that is like just some, someone's basically saying, I don't want to do the work. You do the work for me. Give me the map. Give me the keys. Tell me how to do it. I <laughs> yeah. don't want to know how to, I don't even want to do it. Just yeah. you just do it for me. And I was guilty for that for years, by the way. Oh. I emailed a lot of people, asked for a lot of help without any kind of putting in any of the work beforehand and there were a lot of these people really really nice but guess what i didn't do anything with it i think sometimes it's one of those things where it's like you don't know what you don't know so they don't realize it but it, yeah you just need that one person to be like hey cut yeah. the shit like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah so 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 back down so that was years ago i get this, this point. oh right yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I i was i remember watching you guys just at faneuil hall like that was like a thing to do in the summer every time because I, I, I live in worcester so it's a 45 minute trek into the city 
And I, you know, I do the, the typical tourist thing, go to Faneuil Hall, go to the aquarium or something, or, you know, walk by Chinatown. And I always made it a point to watch you guys. And uh, I remember when I got out of the circus, I was just like, you know, what do I do now with these skills? So Cirque du Soleil was an option, but then that started kind of fading away. And I was like, I wonder if I could street perform. And then uh, I remember, what was it? It's like still wintertime. You guys were out there. It was like maybe late February. I was like, man, you guys do shows no matter. As long as it's a weekend, there's a ton of people. You're, you're out there, rain yeah. or shine, yep. whatever, snow or not. Uh, but I remember after one of the shows watching your show, uh, I came up to you and asked you for some advice. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm a former clown. Like, I want to take this to the street. Like, what do I do? And then you were like, what was it? You gave me a couple books to check out. And then you were like, all right, well. I actually remember one of them was Win the Crowd. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Passing the Hat maybe was one of them, too. I, I have that oh, book in my class. Yeah. I was just looking. Win the Crowd by Steve Cohen, by the way. Yes, yes, amazing, yes. Amazing book. Uh, and you were like, oh, in a week or two, just come back here at Starbucks and sit down and me and tell me what you've learned. And then you <laughs> – so I was like, I was like, I think I understand the, the structure for a street performing. you got to build a crowd. you got to do the show and promise them that this great grand finale is going to happen at the end. And then the hat line. And I was like, all right, I, I think i got to figure it out. And then – yeah, we were at, at the Starbucks at Faneuil Hall for like hours. And then I think Lucky Bob sat down and he started pitching some two cents. And you, you showed me some cool magic. And then you were like, all right, go go try it. Oh, no, you, I asked some other questions like, where, where do I perform? And you're like, well, you can't do Faneuil Hall. You got to audition for that. And I was like, yeah, that's the big boy league. I can't do that yet. So I went to uh, Harvard Square. Uh, I think I gave you the quick rundown of my show, like what I had planned. And then you were like, oh, yeah, sounds solid. I went out there. <laughs> I, 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 one of the things you taught me was the the, the foot traffic count. Like you were like, oh, if yeah. X amount of people pass by sure. in thirty seconds. Yeah, it's a good time to do a show. If not, bail out. And then, uh, I think I counted, but I was just like literally counting like, everybody like two blocks over. I was like, oh, they count part of my thirty people in thirty seconds or whatever. So I did my show. It was on a Thursday in the summertime and whoo, bombed. Yeah, I made two dollars. Great. great. Yeah, two. That's that's great two kids felt sorry for me they're like oh he's yeah that's what it is like, yeah it's that, pity money in the beginning oh, yeah it's painful <laughs> it's painful because street performing is one of those things that you can't you can't practice you cannot practice it when you're not on the street you actually got to be in front of people to do any of the work well it's crazy i, I read so many and books you gotta and that. you gotta pretend that you're good when you know you're not oh it's terrifying to everybody and you're not fooling anybody it's this oh, whole big yeah. lie you're putting yourself the out there to strangers you, they gotta... know that you are shit you know you're shit and you gotta pretend that you're not even though oh. they know that you're that you know oh it's so i thought i was prepared i watched something as if someone on youtube was starting to pick up i was like i watched yeah, so man. many youtube videos of like you know but you went out yeah I, that's that's the only way to learn just do it it's but, it's hard dude. Yeah. it's it's akin to like dying it's oh. it is it's one of the scariest things to do i did my first big gigs like that in australia to talk oh. about i mean my first straitjacket <laughs> escape was in australia no i took kidding. the straitjacket down to this outdoor mall and just died out there you know, just, just, I mean, in a mall, outdoor mall oh, in Australia. Man. Australia is notoriously difficult. Yeah. The people are just, like, if you walk up to your volunteers, they walk away. A oh, lot of wow. the principles that are developed in street performing come from Australia. Like, for, like you don't walk up to, if you look, if you, if you look at and bring in your, your, your volunteers, you don't walk towards them. You kind of walk away almost. It's like if you walk towards someone, they're going to walk away. Yeah. Because they haven't learned to, like, know, they don't, they don't know, like, and trust you yet. It's too soon. So, there's a lot of techniques to get people to come up without going towards them. I actually break that rule, but that's beside the point. Um, <clears throat> but you have it figured out. You learned the rules, then you break them. I did. I learned yeah. the rules. That was not how I did it for a long time. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, and Australia's notorious. If you walk up to your volunteer, they literally, the whole crowd will just peel away. Oh, Let us all walk away going, no, nah, we don't want anything to do with it. Wow. We don't want to be a part of it. We don't want, we want to watch, but we don't want to be committed at all. You got to really work hard to commit them. So, I mean, I went out there, and by the way, when I was out there in Australia, you know, I talked a lot about it for a while. I had my straight jacket and all the my peers, they weren't my peers at the time, all these great performers were tired of listening to me and they really thought that I was full of it because we got to that point where I was not doing the work and yet asking for help. Uh. So we hit to that, 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 that crucial point where they were just like, this guy I think is full of it. Like I think he's just a talker. And I wasn't, because they didn't know my history. I had been playing music on the street. I've done magic on the street. I did a lot of things beforehand. They didn't know that. They just see a guy with a straight jacket who's from America, who's in, who's in Australia, who's sitting on the thing and not doing anything with it, who wants to go out there and work, but is not. Yeah. That's what they're seeing. So I finally, when I finally came back and did it, one of the performers named Brent, um, Brent was said, wow, I'm, I'm impressed. I didn't think you would. 
And then another performer, like um, two months later, came over to me and Bike Boy, famous Bike Boy, Bike Boy, Sean came over to me and said, uh, you're ready, and took me to the big pitch, Circular Key. Oh, wow. Kind of, you know, took me under his wing and said, I've watched your show and you've, I've seen you grow and now I think you're ready to go die on the big pitch. <laughs> Huge spot <laughs> in the middle of like a outdoor like transportation circular keys where all the boats come in. Yep. No shade, 100 degrees and tourists and again, Australia and a lot of the tourists from Australia are Asian <laughs> and a lot of the Asian tourists don't really gravitate towards Western type of entertainment. Like, they, like in Faneuil Hall, I mean, it's notorious. They just, in fact, this is not a racist thing. This is just a fact. Yeah, something you've noticed. That we've noticed this. So when, when we do a pitch count, we're talking about people walking by in a minute. Mm-hmm. I, we don't count Asian people. <laughs> yeah. If you want, and we also don't count like, like, um, like teenagers alone. Like oh. certain things, we don't count certain things. If a guy walked by in a business suit, I'm not going to count that guy. Right, he's not going to Like, I'm just I'm counting the people realistically that are going to watch my show yeah. to get an idea. And by the way, the pitch count really starts at 30, 40, 50. Mm-hmm. So 30 is, is your bare minimum. 40 is good. And 50 is like, is excellent. Anything over that, it's, you should just start. But as a beginner, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. Because as a beginner, you're just trying to get them to stop, watch something, and pay you. Stop doing something that they were already going to do in their to day. stop them for five minutes. Yes. Your show shouldn't be more than 10 minutes as a beginner. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, just get out there and do the thing. Because if you can, if you can calculate, if you can get a win, which means that you su- successfully did a show, five people stopped, five people watched, four people paid, and no one left in 10 minutes, that's fantastic. Oh, that's a huge win. That's a huge win. Yeah. But everybody wants to pile on six, ten, ten tricks in 20, 30, 40 minutes, and they get 17 audiences in that, 17, <laughs> in that, in that time. Audiences come and go, come and go, and come and go, which means that no one's seeing a whole show. Mm-hmm. No one's understanding your character. They're not getting any kind of development with the, with the arc of the show. There's no, nothing going on there except for watching something for a moment and going, okay, honey, let's go. And we're going to go now because we don't want to pay. Like, you know, Al's, you know, Al Miller is such a great performer and so great. And he says, you know, it, they'll, if you move your audience, they'll pay you. That's a, a, a kind of a, mm. you know, if, if, you just, if you just entertain them, that's, that's nothing. Like, you know, you can juggle seven balls, right? And they'll walk by and go, "That was really cool." It only takes them ten seconds to watch it, and they've gotten everything they need from you. <laughs> but if you can move them with something that makes them feel something, they're going to stop. They're going to going to be more interested in you, and they're going to end up, you know, staying and probably paying. Yeah, I, learned, I had to learn that early on. I was doing so many technical juggling tricks, I was killing myself over it. And I'm like, yeah, nobody stopped. That's the problem with guys like you <laughs> yeah. that are very talented. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? That have a lot they can do. I mean, so I've been fortunate because I've been kind of like they, Gazo, you know, magician yeah. Gazo, famous performer, says something like, like if you don't have any skill, you become a, an escape artist. Like, <laughs> like that's the joke on the street. Like one of the kind of a joke. But it, it's in a sense, it's because the, the the escape is yes, it requires some skill and stuff like that. But but it's not juggling. It's not like high wire balancing. Um, all those magic. It's not all those things that require a certain level of skill. Yes, yeah, that's super technical. It's but you different. Got the, you got the people skills. It's it requires more about people skills and subtext and indirection how you how you do what you do it's it, it becomes almost and my friend magic brian who's my one of my closest friends also does a straight jacket escape and him and i have the same problem that if we don't do a lot of tricks we do a lot of character building mm. so if we don't have a good flow we don't have the ability to extend the show for an hour whereas a lot of guys like lucky bob can literally do two hours of tricks and never repeat a trick yeah so if he had to go slow, he could. He could do a lot of tricks and build an audience over an hour. He could do that. But for someone like who doesn't have a lot of, it's more, my intro is more about speaking and energy and gathering an audience. If they're not there, after the 10-minute build, if the people aren't there, they're not there. I have to go to the next thing, which starts the show. And the problem with my show, the challenge is that I need people to tie me up, right? So I can't even start without getting... At some point, getting people to tie me up. So I can't even get too far into my show without volunteers. That's true. Some other guys can really get through a lot of their show without volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then they need volunteers for the finale. And at that point, 
you hope you have somebody there at, at your finale to, to help you. You know what I mean? Uh, like I always you, love your yeah. show. It, I, I, the, just oh, every, everything you have about it. I just remember watching you before I even started talking to you. I was like, if it's everything in one suitcase, <laughs> I, I, would, yeah. I would imagine like, I was like, where does he go at the end of the day? Does he just go to like to California after this? And just about <laughs> one suitcase. And I'm like, <laughs> and that's one of those things about the street is uh, there's certain like, protocols right so one of those things on street is that makes you a street performer is that you have to be able to be self-contained mm. um there's a few exceptions to the business some of the aerial acts have really big tripods and they have a little bit of a crew some people to help because it's just a lot to deal with and they've got a little more than portable it's a little bit more than yeah. portable. but the idea is you should be able to push it down the street on your own on one trip that's that's the goal so for a while i was really spoiled because my show was tiny. It was the props. All I, my props were a straight jacket, the rope, and a silk. Pack small plays big. And that was all. And that was my whole show. And I literally could potentially, without a mic, I don't even, I could just carry it in a knapsack. Um, and then when I got the tripod built going upside down, definitely worth it. But that took a lot of planning and structuring to kind of get that thing, pare it down, pare it down, pare it down. Um, to being portable. And when I first went for a meeting with a designer and I mentioned portable, they came up with this crazy truss rod design, oh. L-shaped like a hangman thing. Yeah. And we had, a mis- we had a miscommunication about what portable was. Their portable was it could fit in one eighteen wheeler. <laughs> That's portable, right? Yeah, yeah, Bruce Springsteen like, portable, right? Yeah, That's exactly. a portable for like a, in a way. for a rock star. Portable <laughs> means you can go from one arena to the next. It's not built into the ground. I meant portable like I can take it on an airplane alone, <laughs> which I've done, by the way, with my tripod. Oh, that's sick. I, I've taken the thing, you know, I, me and all the golf golfers hang out because my, my tripod bag is a long golf, it's a ski bag. So I, I always get to hang out with all the, at the end of the, when I pick up my, my stuff, yeah. skiers and golfers are always with me picking up our <laughs> gear. And they always look at my bag and go, what's, what's that? And I'm like, it's, it's not what you think. It's not skis. It's not golf clubs. It's, it's a tripod I hang upside down from. And they're like, what? No, it's a whole ski shop. Yeah, built in. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's – and, you know, that was something I I do remember, you know, us getting together and me, you know, recommending some, you know, some resources for you. And that was genuine me serving and helping. At the same time, it was also a test. Is he going to do something with it? Yeah. Like, is this this a relationship that will continue or is this one of the millions of people that come up (laughs) that want to know how to do it or – Talk you know about I mean? that pipe dream. And, and then just like, don't do it. You know, the don't, they don't want to even like read a book. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And I get it. I mean, part of the reason I'm a coach is is because I like reading those books and my clients don't have to. Like I can impart a lot of wisdom from stuff that I read. I used to send books to my clients, by the way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but they didn't read them. Oh. That's why they hired me. <laughs> the point is that they don't want to read. They don't want to read Psycho Cybernetics. It's, it's, it's an amazing thick book. It's incredible. They just want to know well, what's the goodies out of it. Like, give how do I Spark use the book? Version. Like, yeah, just give me exactly. Just give me the thing. How do I do it? <laughs> you know, how can I you know, coach me on that? So I've learned that. So, so um. Oh yeah, so, yeah. You, yeah. You helped me a ton. Actually, around that time it was like survival because I didn't have a car and coming from Worcester, I had to take the commuter rail into South Station from South Station, take the red line to Harvard Square. And I was like, if I don't make money today, I'm not going home. <laughs> so it was, it was purely survival. It's great. You know, they call that burning the boats. You ever heard of that, that metaphor? No. It's, it's, it's a famous, I don't know, we could look it up. It's, is it Marcus Aurelius? Does that, that sound familiar? No, it's, it's like walking across the bridge with a dynamite in your hand. <laughs> you just got to make it happen. It's the idea of. It's like no way out. You just got to make it happen. Yep. Yeah. This is so cool. So burning the boats is a concept in which you leave no other option for yourself in context to something that you would like to achieve. In 1519, Captain Herman Cortez landed in Veracruz to begin his great conquest. Upon arriving, he reportedly gave an order to his men to burn the ships in which they arrived in. Wow. So okay. they couldn't go back. No, yeah. you couldn't, they, had to, they couldn't retreat from the war. Oh, I like they that. They had to go and kill. <laughs> yeah. Kind of freaky and morbid. And probably they were like, really? Don't, come on, don't... the. the I have a family. Come on, the boat. Really, the boat. You're gonna burn the boat. All right, fine, fine, fine. 
So, but um, but you did that, and I think that's great. I, I, a lot of people I know in the business have that philosophy. So I have a way of of burning my my way of doing that is when I show up at a at a street street performing, and I can't work for one of several reasons. One is the weather. Mm-hmm. Two is something in the environment makes it un, unable to work. Or three is my mindset. I'm just not able to. I don't want to. Like I'm just not feeling it. Right. That's a fair call. One of those things happened. So what I do though. Because I've burned the boats, this is my own concept of how I've interpreted this, is I then do something right there and then for my coaching business. So I open up my emails, I make sure to contact somebody or, or connect with something or write something or create content. I even do it at Fang Hall on my phone right there and then. So like, cause I, you know, and cause I can't, I gotta do something. And since I can't do this and the boats are burned, I gotta move forward. How am I gonna move forward right now? Like, what am I gonna do? I can't go back. I'm not gonna go home and, and be a failure. Yeah. I'm not going to go home and not win the day. So like, what can I do to win the day? All right, let me let me pivot over. Okay, Fanny Hall's messed up today. Can't do it. So what can I do today? You know, when I connect with, you know, like book another conversation. Yeah. Like that's something I could do for my career, for my life, you know, for, so I just always, so yeah. I like that channeling into like a positive, productive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, you know, like it's magic. Right. So, <laughs> so when something, it's basically like it's an if then. So like for you, it's, if I go to Boston, then I have to make money to get home. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, I have to work. You know what I mean? So if I show up at Fine Hall and I can't work, then I have to do something else that's going to further my career. Yeah. So if then, you know. What have I done today to further yeah. my career? That's a, that's a question I ask every day. I think everyone that's should. That's great. Yeah. yeah my you question have a is, goal. I, um, I got this from my friend Scott Grossberg. It's what magic did, what magic did I create today? Oh, I like that. Um, you could use that one. So I have that on my wall at night, and I kind of ask myself that question. I usually do a little journaling about that. Yeah. Uh, I have a new one, though, that I've, that I've picked up, which is what, ma- what magic did I witness today? And that is all about the magic of coincidences and serendipity. And the oh. concept is the more that we recall and remember and record all the different things that happen that are magical in our life, the more that it happens. Yeah. So, I mean, I have these things that happen to me all the time. Here's one that happened um, just yesterday. Yesterday morning, I came in here, I recorded a podcast about the spiritual seasons, how right now we're in the, we're in the middle of a very long spiritual winter, mm-hmm. but we always, it will change. I mean, shit is kind of messed up right now, but it will change, it always does, and the next step is spring. After winter comes spring, and things will start to bloom and grow, mm-hmm. right? So it's just a matter of planting seeds now, getting ready for that, right? So I started writing about it, I started, I journaled, and then I did a podcast about the seasons, and I even mentioned spring is coming, it's inevitable, Yeah, the, the spiritual spring will be here at some point. It's like up and down, black and white, day and night, it has to be. Like you can't you can't have a shit shitty day without having a good day. Like they they balance each other out. So eventually we're gonna have a, a spring again. It's gonna be happening. So that's what I thought about. That's what I visioned. That's what I recorded. And then I went and picked up coffee. The woman at the coffee shop says, and I felt like she was talking as if she was continuing a conversation, not to me. I almost was like looking around, going me. And what she said was, yeah, it it, it is a really nice day actually. It feels like I could smell spring in the air. That's what she says to me. What? And then later on in the day, it took me a minute to think about what I just witnessed, but that was a magical coincidence right there. Yeah. That's beautiful. So I write that down. Oh, I like that. So I have a little magic. It's kind of like art of attraction type of deal. You put it out there, it comes back to you. Law of attraction. Absolutely. The more, listen, the more that you do anything, the more that you think about something, the more that you lean into your positivity, the more, the more that you, the more thoughts you have that are happy and good. Yeah. And fun and real and good and, and uh, energetic, the more you're going to have those thoughts. The more things are going to happen in your life like that. It's, mm. it's a universal truth. Um, I just, the new, I just, positive people live an average, no, studies have shown 10 years more <laughs> than negative people. Wow. 10 years to their lives just yep. by pos- positive thinking. Yeah, I remember I, I used to go on your Twitter a lot uh, when I would get into like a negative mindset. Cause, mm. I mean, it's easy to dig dirt on somebody and talk crap, you know? Like, yeah in the stunt business. Um, but I remember I would check every now and then. You would post that quote from your dad. Uh, the good, good in me, me seeks the good in you. you. Yeah. And I would share that with people. I was like, I was like dude, it's I got I, I to stop. You know, like, why am I talking negatively? Like, it just gets me in this Don't like, do it. gutter mood. And Yeah. You know, so now I find, like, positive things. I'm like, all right, you know, your falls might not, might not be that great, but your, your hook punches are awesome. Let's talk about that. You're, yeah, you're just, you're improving. You're always getting better. That's yeah, the way yeah. you look at it. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's, um, 
Yeah, dude. I, I think you're onto something. <laughs> you were on a Sunday day. I get this from you too. So, you know, yeah, uh, we gotta be, we gotta be vigilant about, about our thoughts. We really do have to be really, really super vigilant about, about keeping positive thoughts and being aware of the negative thoughts. When they happen, it's okay to have them. Just let them go. Yeah, Just let them go. It's very easy to slip into that. It's kind of like yeah. eating right or, you know, you eat junk yeah. food and all of a sudden it's like you eat McDonald's for like a week. Mm-hmm. The problem with, with negative thinking is that and complaining and we get into the habits of doing that with our friends because they feel like it feels good. But the problem is, a, what you think about expands. And also, there's no bottom. There's no bottom to negative or mm. complaining. There's no end to it. If you if we start right now talking about what's wrong, <laughs> there's no end. Yeah. There's no end. For sure. Also, there's no end to what's right. But we tend to kind of – so we have a choice. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I like to think about what's right. You know, I like to think about what's good. You know, and with that said, um, we're coming across just only because I have things to do and I got to – Get this recording down and all that stuff. It's three thirty-seven here, <coughs> so we're gonna have to wrap it up. Yeah, and um, this is great. This is an hour and five minutes of recording, <laughs> which is super great. People will really enjoy this. So, um, real quick, uh, anything anything that we left out? We have a couple of minutes. Anything that you want to add? And if not, just tell people how they can get in touch with you. Uh, I think we've kind of covered everything. Um, I'm really active on Instagram just because I I'm terrible at keeping up with everyone. Cool. So I, I we'll post. leave. We'll I'm gonna leave a link. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we'll yeah. leave a link yeah, to your you Instagram account at Action Anthony. But yeah, I, I post. I try. I used to try to post stories every day just because it it was kind of like the law of attraction stuff. Like people see me riding my uh, my motorcycle, they're like, "Oh, cool! You're back in town. Let's let's go ride together." Mm-hmm. Like, "Oh, you you're eating sushi down at this restaurant. We can meet up." I love your I love your channel, man. I think it's really fun. Oh, I thanks. love the stuff. I love the stunt stuff that you show. It's so <laughs> cool to me. It's great. <laughs> it's my ouchie reel. <laughs> yeah, it's just really cool. I mean, it's, it's something you just don't you just don't see very often. I mean, you know, you follow that prop guy on on Instagram or YouTube. He's, I'll send you a link. He just talks about movie props. No, and he's really funny. He's like little minute long clips. I'll have to check just, it out. He just talks about the different all different fake retractable blades and oh, fake cool. glass and blood and babies and <laughs> you know like fake babies. He showed these amazing fake babies. Oh my god! Oh amazing. wow. Yeah, I love all that. Just the whole movie making business. It's oh, wild. It's all illusions, but it cool. comes together somehow. All right. Well, listen, it was great having you here, and um, we'll have you back again, and we'll do even longer because this is uh, we, we we sandwiched ourselves in today. <laughs> Next but, time um, I won't show up late. <laughs> no, nah, you were great. You actually, you know what? We ended up showing, you ended up showing up early actually because we 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 were scheduled for two thirty. Oh, so I, I'm the one that told you to get there at one forty five. So you were actually at two fifteen. You were still early. So. Mm. All right, fair enough. Yeah. This was fun. Thanks for yeah, having me. Yeah, it was me. great. Cool, man. Have a good one. So long, everybody, and have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Jason Gardner, and thanks for listening. In the description, click on the link, and you'll get right on my calendar for a free breakthrough discovery session where we're going to find out what you really want, what's holding you back, and how we can get you there as quick as possible.